welcome to Get Right for Sunday. This podcast is designed to get you and me into God's Word for Sunday worship and beyond. Story, story, tell me a story. This week Jesus tells us another story, the parable of the talents. Now even though a talent is money, the parable isn't about money. So what's it about? Let me perk up your interest by asking this question. Are you responsible for your salvation? Let's listen in to Pastor Wright and Vicar Leeper. The 24th Sunday after Pentecost, we are getting into the end of the church year, and our gospel lesson comes to us from St. Matthew, chapter 25, 25, verses 14 through 30, and it's the parable of the talents. This is a great text. It's great moralistic. It makes you feel (laughs) guilty for not doing enough, and this parable has exactly nothing to do with your good works, with earning salvation, or being good enough. It's all about what God gives and delivers. Simple summary of the parable, a master gives money to three servants and leaves and says, I'll be back, make sure you use this appropriately. One servant goes and invests, buys land, and is able to uh, make more money. The same with the second, the third, love the third. He goes and buries his money. And then when the master shows up, the first servant says, here, you gave me this much money. I am giving you the investment earned. The second one, the same thing. They get the wonderful praise. Good, well done, good and faithful servant. But then you got the third one who messes everything up. He hands the master exactly the same amount of money he received. And then makes the statement, Master, I knew you are a hard man. You reap what you don't sow. And so I wanted to make sure you got what you gave me. That way I didn't lose anything. I didn't gain anything. And you didn't lose anything. But you didn't gain anything. And we'll just call it even. The master doesn't like this and actually throws him out into the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and gives what he did not use to the first servant. And he who has had a little will have more and will be given more. And we get to talk about faithfulness and the work of what God gives and delivers. That sounds like a very convoluted summary of the parable of the talents. On the onset, the first statement that has to be made, and it's it's an obvious statement, salvation belongs to God. He is the one who has earned it. He is the one who gives it. We are the ones who benefit from it. So obvious statement. But let us put let us be put into our proper place. We live in creation. We didn't create it. We didn't make it. God, out of his infinite wisdom, creates all things. He creates you. He creates me. In fact, this is what we confess in the first article. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Well, what does this mean? 
I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that he has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and still takes care of them. Why I bring this up? God has given you everything that you have. What do you do with it? Do you use it for your own wants, desires, pleasures? Or do you use it for the benefit of the kingdom of God? Do you use it for the benefit of your neighbor? And with that, it really points to a relationship we have with God. So from that, you can see there's a couple things that God has given us. A couple things that the original gift that the master has given to his slaves points to. The first is what Pastor what Pastor Wright mentioned, which is salvation. Uh, we have received salvation from God because he sent his son Jesus to buy us back and redeem us and to make us his. This is that relationship uh, that Pastor Wright was mentioning as well. And the second thing is, Pastor Wright uh, mentioned the creed and its explanation in the catechism, which means really everything that we have has come from God. This falls under kind of a couple categories. One is what we call providence, which is kind of our own realization that everything that we have is a gift that God continues to give to us. Martin Luther was really big on this, and he wanted to make sure that uh, people were educated about this when they learned about the faith. And so... When, when the question becomes, what do we do with what we have? There are a couple things that we have that we now have something to do with. Uh, one is the salvation that we have been given by God. We have been redeemed and we can go out and we can do something with that. We can live the Christian life. We can share the gospel and the good word, the good word with others. And then when we look at our literal resources that we have, whether this be things like your own reason and senses, uh, your clothing and shoes, your your food, your drink, uh, your money, your house, your home, your relationships, uh, all of these things that you have been given, uh, what are you going to do with them? And I find it so interesting when we come to this last uh, slave, this last servant, because he doesn't lose any of it. It's not like the master gave him this money and he went and he squandered it. This isn't one of the characters from the other parables who will take an inheritance and spend it poorly. He didn't spend it poorly. He returned it to the master. Here's exactly what you gave me. Nothing has been lost. And that's not enough. That's not what the master wanted. And I think this is fascinating because the master wanted him to do something with it, not just have it. Absolutely. The, the last servant plays it safe and really saying, you can't find fault because I didn't lose anything that you gave me. Right. But why did the master give any of the servants money? And you see that the first two went out and did something with it. They invested, they bought, they worked with it. And this was out of simple trust. When you invest or buy anything, you don't know if it will work past its warranty date. <laughs> you don't know if the property will gain more um, wealth and go up in uh, cost and price and worth. You don't know these things. And so in faith, the first two servants act. And I like how you brought up the, the aspect of the, the third servant. He didn't do anything. He just took the money, hid it, and waited for the master to return. 
that that's not a good thing because the master gave this money and simply said, use it. He didn't say how. He didn't lay it out and expect, I want this exact return. And he didn't even ask for this, the amount of money back. He just says, use it. Well, I think this is really getting at, now we can really get into what this parable is about. Because at a first reading, it appears that this third servant didn't do anything wrong. Right. And he didn't do anything right. Which is why it's so confusing that the master is upset with him. But... As we look a little closer, and I like what you were saying about uh, trust and faithfulness, that's really what this parable becomes about. The first two, the first two slaves, trusted their master, and were faithful with what they had been given. The last servant did not trust his master and was not faithful with what he was given. This is seen with how he responds to the master when the master comes to collect what he has entrusted to them. If we look at the, uh, the parable, uh, you'll see that what he says to him is, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. So let's start out with that first statement. Master, I knew you to be a hard man. Now, what's interesting is the other servants don't seem to have this impression. In fact, this master who has, has gone away on a journey and entrusted his servants generously uh, these talents. He doesn't, nothing else in this story points towards him being cruel or hard, but this is how he has perceived him. And why? Now, now with that, I, I think he's right. I think the third servant is right in the fact that the, the master demands, mm-hmm. you will do this. And... The expectation that because I gave you this, you will do something. I will get the benefit of your work. I'm going to go off. You don't know where I am. You don't know what I'm doing. But I expect something from what I have given you. So on the onset, I think this third servant is saying something very true. But I think his implication is absolutely wrong. And going to, to uh, what you were laying out, just the whole idea that the other two, they don't see this mm-hmm. because they immediately work and do what has been what they have been told to do. Not as robots, not out of fear that they're going to be crushed and wiped out, but because the master said so. And they trusted. And the third didn't. But he makes this, again, very interesting. And I think, again right observation which shows his relationship with the master right the master uh, all of them see the master apparently reaping where he's not sown and we're Mm -hmm. assuming that this is metaphorical since there's no other farming uh things going on necessarily in this in this parable uh but the rest of them see this and instead of perceiving this as as harshness to be feared and avoided, right. they see the master to be someone to be faithful to and to trust. Uh, and, of course, to go into some application here, we and the early hearers would recognize that the master of this story is Jesus mm-hmm. uh, and that the, the slaves are those who he has a claim over, those who, have, those who are part of his uh, kingdom, those are part of the ones that he has redeemed. Um, and so Jesus does do things that are at times hard to understand and do even 
somehow be, seem to be reaping where uh, he hasn't sown. Well, my old Adam looks at what Jesus asks and commands me to do, and I rebel against it. No, this is my body. This is my work. This is mine, 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 which absolutely denies what I confess in the Apostles' Creed, that he has given this to me. He has benefited from my work. When God claims and commands that I do work, good works, that I live in his commandments and will, this isn't because God can't do it. It's not because he wants to rule with an iron fist. No, this is all about relationship. I was bought at a price, the holy, innocent blood of Jesus, so that I would be his servant, his child, to live in his creation, his kingdom, and his forever. And, and so going back just to the third servant, he misses his relationship. Right. And it really is. He calls the master, he calls Jesus, you're harsh. And when we look at it just through the lens of the law, it is harsh because it's, it's perfection. It is do all of this or else. But we see the other two working just out of faith, and we get to see and knowing the full story, when Jesus says, go and be perfect like your Father in heaven is perfect, this isn't a statement of condemnation. This is a statement of trust, because we are perfect in him. And the life that he has laid down for us is the life of salvation, the life of perfection, the life of freedom to truly go out and use, as the parable says, talents, money, reason, whatever, for the benefit of the kingdom of God, which is directly for the benefit of your neighbor. This I would like to use as a jumping board to talk about the community of believers, specifically at Holy Cross. When we look at what has been gifted to us as individuals, we get to see this in connection to community. You belong and participate in the life of the church. If you are not using your God-given gifts, whatever they may be, your neighbor is missing out. And this is the true joy of what God gives you whatever that may be, that is truly a participation, truly a connectedness to the body of believers. And I encourage you to look at what you have, who you are, and how you can benefit, use, and receive the gifts that God gives you within this community. Now, maybe you're hearing this and thinking with the third uh, slave in this story, that sounds harsh, Pastor Ray. It does. And so I want to go back to that and explore that idea of the harshness that we might perceive at hearing this law that, mm -hmm. that Pastor Wright is bringing, as well as the harshness that the third slave is, is perceiving as well. Uh, you mentioned that Jesus is asking for perfection. And I want to counter that a little bit by mentioning that the, the burden that Jesus brings is light. He says, my burden is light. So why do we perceive it as heavy? Why is it heavy if it is light? And this seems to be exactly what this third uh, slave is struggling with. I agree. And I think the reason is the third slave 
doesn't understand his relationship to the master. Yeah. Pastor Wright mentioned this earlier. Earlier, He doesn't quite get, he doesn't quite understand and recognize who this master is. He doesn't recognize that these things have been entrusted to him, not for a utilitarian or a productive use, but to be used in trust and faith. Uh, the other the other servants, one of them produces more than the others, one of them produces less. That doesn't matter. Nope. They both say, well done, good and faithful servant. It's not about uh, how much you produce or how useful you are. And this is why the burden actually is light. It's simply about being in faith and trust with the master and understanding what your identity and role is in relation to him. And so uh, while the harshness of, of Pastor Wright saying, use what you have, still stands. Your neighbor uh, needs those good works and needs those those things. And God is using you to do his good in the world. That absolutely stands. But also the good news here, uh, the light burden, is that the master is not harsh. That the, master, that the, the third slave is, while he is right, also wrong. In that the God that we have loves us, and asks us to be faithful to him, and for that gives us eternal life. Especially in the aspect of relationship and understanding our relationship, we need to go back to our baptism, and we need to understand that the God of all creation breaks into our time, our space, and our flesh. And the reason that I have a little sympathy for the third servant, even though I do think he is absolutely wrong in his application and actions. But the statement that the master reaps what he does not sow goes where he uh, wasn't at work. We need to remember what is stated in the rite of holy baptism. The word of God also teaches that we are all conceived and born sinful and are under the power of the devil until Christ claims us as his own. We are corrupted. We are as good as dead left to ourselves. But what happens? We would be lost forever unless delivered from sin, death, and everlasting condemnation. But the Father of all mercy, the good master, the faithful master, and grace has sent his son, Jesus Christ, who atoned for the sin of the whole world that whoever believes in, his, in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The first two servants understood this relationship. And now I'm imposing baptism upon these first two servants. But they see the relationship. They see that they've been redeemed and are free to use the gifts. The third servant fails to see the relationship and is still under the power of the devil, still in the corrupted world. And that is why he sees the master as harsh and demanding and taking what he does not uh, own or work for. We have been redeemed out of the devil's power, out of this dark world, into the life and light of Christ. And this is the joy of what and who we are as saints, as Christians, as Holy Cross, to serve our neighbor in full trust and faith. 
never measuring, look how much I gave, how much time I put in, how much I lifted, and so on and so forth. No, we do these good works because they flow naturally out of faith. Right. It's not about whether you've been faithful enough or whether this is more or less faithfulness. It's about faithfulness and not faithfulness. Kind of the... Uh, the binary relationship there. It's not about how much you produce. And this baptismal connection also comes back to those of you who have much, who have been given much and therefore can do much, and those of you who have been given little or maybe have had much and now have little. Uh, This reminds me of something we were talking about earlier, about how there's no such thing as a useless human. Mm -hmm. Uh, No one is ever useless because God doesn't think of us as uh, useful or like this person can do a lot and this person can't do much. That's not how he thinks about us at all. Absolutely. We are here to, again, benefit our neighbor, but we live this life in faithful trust of God's salvation, God's love, God's providence. And so I've had the question from people who live in a nursing home. What good am I? I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't even take care of myself. Well, I always remind them, you are providing the opportunity for someone to love you, to care for you, to do all the Christian kindness, care for you. But with this, it doesn't mean that that person only serves the purpose of giving me something to do. That never, never is true. Or that's not the only truth. Yeah, humans are not a a means to to an end or anything. Absolutely. It's all about relationship. We live a sacrificial life because Christ lived the sacrificial life for us, freeing us to serve, love, and benefit one another. This is the great joy of the parable. What has God given to you? And what have you done with it? Without guilt, without contempt, without measurement, because you have the freedom of God's love and creation, all because he so desires you to know the depths of his love as seen in the actions of your brothers and sisters, the sanctified baptismal life we enjoy. That is who and what we are in relation to God. Thank you for joining us for Get Right for Sunday. We hope this has helped prepare you for Sunday and beyond. Services at Holy Cross Lutheran Church are 6 p.m. Saturday and 8 o'clock and 9.45 Sunday morning. That 8 o'clock service is live streamed on our Facebook page and our website. So, are you responsible for your salvation? Yes. But we cannot save ourselves. Jesus is our only Savior. Because of Jesus, God forgives our debt of sin. Feel free to continue today's conversation by contacting Pastor Wright and Vicar Leeper at GetRightForSunday.com at gmail.com. Thank you. And we hope you'll join us again next week to Get Right for Sunday.